It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. So once again, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. This is a special week for mobility in Michigan as we were uh, privileged to be part of a, a big announcement uh, yesterday, we're recording today on Friday, August 14th, 2020, and on Thursday, August 13th, MDOT officials joined officials from the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity and the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, and several elected officials at the federal level and our governor and lieutenant governor to announce the first-of-its-kind connected corridor that will link uh, Detroit and Ann Arbor, and we think probably be a prototype for big things that'll be happening elsewhere in the state and, and the country. First, I want to introduce Trevor Paul, who's the state of Michigan chief mobility officer and a second time guest on the podcast. Trevor, thanks for being with us. Yeah, it's great to be here. And Colin Castle, making his first appearance, is the manager of MDOT's Intelligent Transportation Systems Program and was really the uh, the, the lead and the the chief architect on MDOT's uh, input on this contract that had to be inked in order to make this announcement. So, Colin, thanks for taking the time to do this. No problem. Morning, Jeff. Good morning. So, Colin, um, as someone who's been working with industry engineers and academics and federal government officials on how transportation infrastructure will support connected and automated vehicles, tell us what this announcement means. Yeah, I think this is this is huge, Jeff. So, you know, over the past several years, we've been, you know, really working with the industry as well as, you know, the government to try and understand what's the, the best way to, you know, accommodate these new technologies like automated vehicles. And what we found is that um, there really is a huge role that the infrastructure can play. And so, you know, this project really looks at it, working directly with industry as well as, you know, the communities and users of these technologies to be able to um, implement kind of the first of a kind, best in class infrastructure that really is optimized uh, for these technologies to, to operate efficiently and safely so we can, you know, fully realize their potential. It's already a safe technology, but I think, you know, making the right infrastructure investments can, can really you know, take these things to the next level. So very exciting. So getting to this point, it was a big deal for you and your team. You've been working on this largely behind the scenes for some time. So just, I don't know, talk a little bit about about what it means to to, to your folks and why why this is a, you know, it's the beginning of the beginning. We know there's a, there's a long ways to go and a lot will evolve, <laughs> but, you know, why this feels special. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's been very exciting. I think, you know, we've, we've, as we as we've worked with the industry, you know, through a number of uh, mobility challenges and on a number of you know other efforts, um, you know, we've we've really heard that you know if, if the state of Michigan could take the lead on um, you know making infrastructure investments that are just as innovative as the technologies that that are going in the vehicles that that could really go a long way. And so so being able to to develop a really a great project to to make those investments and and be able to really look at um, you know all the opportunities we have from a from a innovation perspective in our infrastructure, whether that be physical, digital, et cetera, um, to to really bring these these technologies to the forefront and use them on a more wide scale and an optimized fashion is really really exciting. And you know everyone on our team's uh, you know really excited. And I think the reason why the public should care is that 
you know, um, you know, these technologies can be used to do a lot of great things. I think when you think about, you know, the regional, uh, you know, transit conversation in Southeast Michigan, we can use automated technologies in the corridor to really, you know, augment that and provide better mobility options for our citizens. I think as you look at the corridor, there's opportunities for continuing to economic growth and, and looking at, you know, growing small businesses, for example, along the corridor. Um, and I think really from a from a safety perspective, you know, these these we we still have a lot of fatalities on our roadways every year. And these these technologies have a lot of promising opportunity to continue to drive those numbers down towards zero. So those are all things that I think really should be why the public cares. So we had quite a quite a representation at yesterday's announcement. Um, let's listen to a minute to what the governor had to say in her remarks. Today we are taking the first steps toward enabling the world's first corridor level infrastructure that will support the deployment of connected and autonomous vehicles here in Michigan. As we get to work on fixing our roads today, it remains critical that we place smart infrastructure to be ready for the roads of tomorrow. So what may be the world's most sophisticated roadway will be built here in Michigan to help increase the safety, efficiency, resilience, and operations of roadways in the not-so-distant future. So, Trevor, obviously leading this kind of groundbreaking announcement with the governor, the lieutenant governor, uh, you know, members of our congressional delegation, and, and Bill Ford, that's a pretty big deal, um, especially when you're just a few months into your new role. So tell me, one, what you think this means for Michigan and our citizens short and long term. Yeah, so it's one of those events that underscores that regardless of our differences, regardless of the environment that we live in, and 2020 has been a hard year, when people put their mind to something and when uh, you have a region that just that cares so much about this industry, anything can happen. I, I think the idea that this is high tech should be something that is exciting to some, but maybe to others, it's a little scary. Like, is, is now am I going to lose a lane in my neighborhood? But the truth is, what I love most about this, this project is that it's a co-creation process. And the, the team that brought this to life was looking to not only sort of lead the world, but also improve community access to safer and more equitable transportation. So this, I believe, will be a tool over time to help people get to their jobs a little faster. This will be a tool to help with, for let's say you're a small business owner, curbside drop-off and pick-up. Even in some cases, if you're a city manager, curbside monetization, um, looking at new business models to help, help make up some of the revenue that's been lost through the years. And so we begin, after this announcement, on a two-year journey of feasibility. Uh, to determine more about the route, and then most importantly, more on how this project can catalyze communities and make them safer and more productive and remove mobility barriers for so many. So, yeah, so some of this discussion has been about leveraging this project uh, ultimately to attract more business and create jobs, which is, you know, the, the, the Leo component of all of this. How do you think this helps on, on that front with that challenge? Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely two ways to look at it. I think many look at automation of vehicles as a potential displacer of jobs. might be globally um, over time. But I think what this project shows is, is a commitment by the state 
that if we're going to be losing jobs over time, let's create some new ones, new ones that have a track um, towards greater advancement, whether it's, you know, operating some of these autonomous and electric vehicles, maintaining them um, and maintaining the road in a new way. This road is going to be way more complex than the roads that we drive on today in terms of the technology and the hardware. And so what we're going to try to do here is, is as we're looking at the uh, use cases or how this road can benefit communities, we're also going to be looking at ways that it can create jobs. That, that's another conversation that we're going to have from day one. It's not going to be something that we you know, kick the can down the road on and, and get, get, uh, get into it in year two. This is something we're going to think about right away. Yeah, and I think it's, it's important to point out there that, that it was great to have Bill Ford there to show that that Ford is definitely interested in this, has, has, has already invested a great deal in future mobility and what they think uh, the future is going to hold for how we do everything uh, in terms of transportation. So let's listen to what he had to say. We want to design solutions for the way people are going to move, making transportation more convenient and accessible to everyone through smart connected vehicles, roads, and public transit. The potential that this project holds will help further accelerate this region's transformation because we must build the world for the world that we're moving into, not the world that we've known. This project is part of a new world, one where Michigan continues to disrupt and lead the world by changing the way people move and help reduce emissions, increase transportation equity, and better con connect all of our communities. There's no place in the world more important for transportation's past, present, and future than Detroit and Michigan. So, Colin, talk about the legislation that was adopted with bipartisan support, and not much gets done with bipartisan support anymore, in 2016, which was really nation-leading at the time. Um, several other states you know, were very interested in what Michigan did and have talked to us about it and tried to pass their own legislation modeled after that, um, and how it supported automakers and other OEMs in their efforts to develop the vehicles of the future. I know that um, your, your colleagues and your unit worked really hard on, on that, um, negotiating to get that legislation passed and what it means to sensors on roads and bridges and supporting connectivity. Can you uh, talk about that and how it helped get us to yesterday's announcement? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, the, the legislation in 2016 was really, really groundbreaking and set, you know, the, the, the groundwork for, um, you know, AVs in the state of Michigan. So, you know, it included things like provisions allowing for, you know, fully driverless vehicles, um, you know, the ability, for example, to, you know, have OEMs or vehicle manufacturers have their own fleets of vehicles that are automated that they could, um, you know, operate within the state of Michigan. Um, looking at technologies like automated trucks and truck platooning to make, um, you know, freight movements uh, more efficient potentially within the state. Um, and so, you know, all of that combined um, over the last several years, we've really done a lot of industry interfacing to understand kind of, you know, what the needs are from the industry as infrastructure owner operators and what things we could be doing more, um, you know, effectively to allow for these technologies to operate safely. And so, you know, what we learned over time is that to think that these, you know, connected and automated technologies are just going to roll out on our roadways and we have no role in that is, is totally not a truthful statement. So, you know, we learned that, you know, there are things you can do in the physical infrastructure like 
better lane markings and potentially, you know, machine readable signage. We've, we've learned about things like our digital infrastructure and how, you know, mapping our infrastructure and allowing for connectivity to signalize intersections can, can allow for these technologies to more safely operate. We've learned that if we could do things like more coordinate um, movements of these vehicles, like their speed and how they, um, curbs, for example, curb management, all of these things ultimately led us to the, the thought process that, you know, if you combined all of these attributes into a single corridor um, between, for example, Detroit and Ann Arbor, um, and and you, you bring the vehicles there, then they really can be optimized and, and they can really operate in a safe um, an efficient manner. And if you can can simplify the operating environment, you can really realize the full potential of these technologies. And so, you know, all of kind of those data points led us to the idea that we needed to focus on kind of being as innovative with our infrastructure as, you know, the, the, the folks who are building the vehicle technologies are on the other side. We can't, I think it was the, the, the term or the statement was made yesterday, you know, we can't continue to build you know, old infrastructure for old technologies, we need to be thinking about the future. And so I, I think that's really what, you know, this, what, what the legislation of the last several years has taught us is that we have a huge role from an infrastructure perspective. And that's what we're doing with this project. Yeah. And so that the focus is, is largely on what can be done with new technology and automated and connected vehicles are a huge component of that, but the potential for transit and bus rapid transit and other innovations there. Uh, are, are important parts of this too. And Trevor touched on that a little bit, but I, I was especially interested in what Jim Sayer, the director at the University of Michigan Transportation Research Institute, said on a panel uh, following yesterday's announcement about social equity. Let's listen to, to Jim right here. Um, like to solve the you know, kind of social mobility issues, we've got to solve the access. And that's, you know, Beyond the technology, I'm hoping the university can bring solutions um, that will help expand access to jobs, to education, to healthy food, to social services. It's really a partnership. Nobody's going to solve this problem on their own. So talk a little bit more about that, Trevor, and, and what Jim Sayer said and why you think that's, that's really important. And as you've talked to the CAVNU, partners, the folks from Sidewalk Infrastructure Partners, uh, why they think that, that that matters and how it could enhance options and access for all. Yeah. So in, in practice, it means not interrupting current systems that people really rely on. Um, and over time, creating a strategy that integrates, integrated uh, asset management um, that allows for for future innovation to enter into existing systems in a way that doesn't destroy the harmonization of, of what community communities have created around their public transit systems, um, what the state has created to support equitable travel, equitable mobility. And so it, one of the things that I feel is very important is that we look at what the RTA has done, we look at what SEMCOG has done, um, even DDOT, um, what the ride has done in Ann Arbor, making sure that, that this is an accelerator of some of those key objectives or key goals that those plans have and not something that sits atop it or aside of it or is in conflict or tension with it. Um, again, this is a co-creation process that ideally should add a new, a new way to travel, but also enhance the existing ways um, that so many people rely on today. 
So, yeah, that's that's exactly, I think, what, what Jim Sayer was getting at. So, Colin, just to kind of wrap it up here, um, you know, we talked about this being the beginning of the beginning, and, and it's going to be a while before people see tangible things, but it's also very important for transparency's sake that we put a major spotlight on the initial announcement and, and everything that happens as this progresses so that people know what's going on and why it's going on. What's your, you know, fervent hope as you look to the future, you know, two years from now, five years from now? Yeah, so uh, two years from now, I would I would hope that we, you know, we work through and we develop, as Trevor had mentioned, you know, we co-create with the state, our local partners, the, the public, as well as Cavenue, a really excellent plan for how we would, you know, implement the corridor. And then five years from now, I would I would love to see, you know, that corridor fully implemented um, and, you know, services thriving, you know, within that corridor. I think um, this really has a great potential to increase um, mobility options within southeast Michigan, you know, support the overall regional, you know, transit kind of conversation in southeast Michigan, bring all of the potential benefits of these technologies um, to the forefront and allow for the public to really you know, get a lot of experience and understanding um, with the technologies and become more comfortable with them. So, so five years from now, I, I'm really hoping that, that we have a ses- successful deployment, and this could be something that could be used as uh, a replicable model even to other uh, areas within the state and throughout the country. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. Is there anything you want to add to that, Trevor? No, I, I, think, I think, Colin, you nailed it. Um, I, you know, to me, it I look now at sort of how we build on this and stitch together this project with all of the other different interesting and impactful uh, technology activations and road projects that MDOT's working on and that other um, transportation authorities around the state are working on, whether that's, um, you know, best practices along these corridors or even, you know, making sure that we're responsible with the data and, and, and frankly, the software side of this is all integrated um, I, I think we have the best Department of Transportation in the country. This is proof of it. And, and now we have an opportunity to, to continue to advance that narrative. So um, it's been a lot of work getting to this point. I'm definitely happy um, that we're approaching a weekend. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to everything that, that's coming our way. Yeah, well, thank you both. Congratulations again. And, uh, you know, good luck. We'll talk more as this progresses. So thanks. All right, thank you, Jeff. So to wrap it up, we're going to... Uh, go out with a comment that I think covered things pretty well from the Department of Transportation standpoint from yesterday's panel discussion, uh, MDOT Director Paul Ajiba. And I think for me, in five years, I'd like to see a successful uh, project that's woven into the fabric of the community. People kind of get used to seeing these vehicles out there, knowing that it, it really works, and with the hope for future of what autonomous vehicles holds. So, okay, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation, and I want to give a special shout out to Randy Dubler uh, at MDOT, who did the sound engineering this week and had to piece together all the audio. So, uh, as always, we really appreciate your help. Thanks. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.